0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here right 97 on 97 ESPN Radio. Great to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff That's Director Matthew. We're online, ESPNTalahasty.com. That's where you're going to listen live via the streaming free. Always don't miss anything. But if you do go back and get caught up at your leisure, we'll post all three hours of the program upon the conclusion of the show. You can find it uh Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get podcasts on Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. Hello, YouTubers! Good to see you guys again. I know our schedule has been sort of uh, herky jerky. There's no real consistency to what's going on right now on ESPN Radio. That's true nationally or locally. It's just a mess, but we soldier on. And we do so uh, gladly, by the way. It's fun. It's fun to do the show. It's fun to be here. It's fun to be able to talk to you. in rainy Tallahassee. I don't know where you are, but if you're in Florida, it's probably raining where you are, too. So batten down the hatches and let's have some fun. All guests appear via the Phone Hi- uh, Phone Hero hotline. Phone Hero specializes in an iPhone and iPad repair. Two locations, 2915 Cary Forest Parkway, 833 West Gaines Street, online at PhoneHeroTLH.com. You realize uh, this is good news for you too, Director Matthew. Uh, I I just was noting. I thought I'd check real quick before the start of the show. Really, wasn't part of my rundown or anything like that. But I thought, you know, uh, it occurs to me that uh, we're less than a month away from Florida State starting football camp. I mean, like it's it's beginning, and we we brought that up yesterday on Seminole headlines. Uh, we we said, golly, you know. This off season's going quickly. That's in part of something that I've touched on before: the extended seasons of the NBA, the extended time in which we're watching now the NHL. Um, you know, getting in well into July as the NBA finals are being played. You know, obviously, great game from Chris Paul last night, and he's been on fire this entire postseason, rewriting the end of his career, rewriting the chapter of uh, where he ranks all time. Um, This is a cool run for a guy that uh, I think in a weird way needed it. It's unfair, but I think if you're going to change the narrative on who a person is and what they've meant in the game, this kind of a run does shift the way in which a person is discussed, fair or not. That's just kind of what happens when you start to play this way in the postseason, and we'll see if if Phoenix goes on to win the championship. But anyhow, the season continuing well into July, um, you know you're going to wake up and, and they're going to be wrapping up the NBA championship and hopefully tonight the Lightning will wrap up winning the Stanley Cup and call it a day and that will be the end of uh, the NHL season and you'll have back to back world championships in Tampa Bay for the uh, for the Lightning that'd be that'd be nice knock on wood doesn't look like Horn's going to play tonight he's continued to be hurt more on that later not a lot on that I know you guys don't want me to expound for too long on hockey but nonetheless obviously it's it's on the mind um, but we still got another major coming up. For the you know, at the British Open or the Open, as they like to call it. And and so, you know, all of a sudden you kinda you gather your thoughts, you collect your breath, and you talk to your friends about the upcoming season. You got your fantasy leagues coming up and all that stuff, the drafts. And then you think to yourself, Well, exactly when is the first camp? I mean, as I recall, it's in July, like before the end of the month, when camps begin, when you start turning on sports Center at night or whatever you do to get your sports information, it's not too long before you sit down and say, okay, well, this, this is happening. For the first time in NFL history, there's going to be a unified start date for training camp with 29 clubs reporting on July 27th. The Cowboys and the Steelers, who play in this year's Hall of Fame game, you realize Matthew, the Hall of Fame game is less than a month from right now. The the football between two professional franchises like NFL teams, Cowboys-Steelers, all-time great rivalry, all-time in the upper echelon, the pantheon of greatness in the NFL, those two franchises rest squarely at the top along with a couple of others. They face off on August the 5th. They will report and begin practice, Uh, and they will play on August the 5th. They're eligible to report because they play in that game on the 21st. Guys, that's 14 days. In 14 days, the Dallas Cowboys will conduct football practice. In 14 days, the Pittsburgh Steelers will conduct football practice. You will go home from work. You will drive home, and you will say, it's been a long day. What are we – what's that woman cooking for dinner? It was too easy, guys. Come on. It was too easy. It was right there in the wheelhouse. I'm tired. I've been working all day to bring home the bacon. I hope she's put together a great meal and the little ones are ready for bed. Maybe she's got them tucked in already. I could sit down. She could bring me my meal and my ice cold beer. And I can watch a report from football practice. What a good time to be a man in America. Sweetheart. Why don't you mosey that dinner on over? I got the TV trays out, and I'm ready to watch a report on ESPN about football practice. What'd you make for me tonight, sugar? Thank you, sweet cakes. A little pat on the backside as she walks away to get your beer. What a good day that'll be. 14 days from right now. 14 days. No doubt she'll have a smile on her face, too. There's nothing a woman likes more than making her man dinner, bringing him a beer after he's worked awfully hard all day long and wants just nothing more than that dinner served promptly with a little bit of football news. I'm just saying, it puts a smile on your face too, doesn't it, as you drive down the road listening to me right now. I agree. Be thinking about that, ladies. Again, you have a little time. That's going to be in 14 days. The reigning Super Bowl champions, that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of champions are housed in Tampa Bay these days. They all seem to reside in the Tampa Bay area. It's, uh, it's the, the, the Bay area, Tampa St. Pete, home to a lot of champions, a lot of greatness. Now, we spread our seed from the Bay area. And we go on to places like Tallahassee, Florida, and Miami, Florida, and Orlando, and Atlanta, and New York, and Chicago. We may be any number of places. But we, we always fondly remember what it was like growing up in the land of champions. Where most championships currently reside or are real close to residing. That's, that's where we go. So the Buccaneers, reigning Super Bowl champions, report July 24th. And Tampa Bay faces Dallas in the regular season opener, for those of you wondering, uh, in, in, in September. Early September. It's not going to be that long, man. I just, all jokes aside, oh, somebody who doesn't get sarcasm or understand satire is feverishly typing away at their keyboard right now to send an angry email to a company who cares not for your complaint because they sold. <laughs> Good luck with that, pal. Yeah, just just smile along with me and know that football will be here. Clubs carry a 90-man roster to begin camp. They have to whittle that sucker down with the quickness. By early August, we'll be down to 80 players. Then, by August 31st, 53 players. And you know what? This year, and I don't know why you do this. I've never done this. That doesn't mean I'm judging you for doing it, but I am saying I don't know why you do it. And that is, you can attend camp. You can go and sit out there in the blazing heat. There's nowhere in the country where it's not hot, where these camps are going on right now, or when they begin in 14 short days. But people do. People do. It's, it's nuts. I, I don't get it. Um, it. Not a lot you can glean, typically, because all the good stuff happens away from the prying eyes, typically. But, I mean... Nonetheless, you you could attend, and the reason I bring that up isn't to mock those that do or talk about how it is that I wouldn't want to, but rather, again, another check mark in the box of normal. Like, okay, fans are back. Everybody can be full-on in attendance. My father is coming into town tonight, maybe listening to this on the highways and byways of Tallahassee, Florida right now. He and I were talking yesterday, and he said, I'm just... So looking forward to that stadium being normal again. To getting back to... And he's not talking about the home of the world champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's talking about Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field. I just can't wait, son, to get back at that stadium and feel the energy. Well, and at least for one week, you will. For that first game against Notre Dame, right off the bat, you'll walk through those, those gates and you'll have an opportunity to sit down and you'll feel the energy of a packed house. Now... It's been a while, COVID or no COVID, since that place was packed and the energy was requisite. It goes back to probably Willie's first year, Game 1, Virginia Tech, where the wind quickly left the sails. But that said, I remember that night. I remember that feeling. I remember that excitement. And I, too, look forward to that big time. Um, And I'm just hoping that no matter what happens in that first game, We once again do feel what it's like to come together collectively for something that we all love and enjoy and are passionate about. Not just Florida State, but college football in general. And hopefully, Florida State plays well, if that's the case. If they play exceedingly well, there's a chance that that momentum carries over for the other games that remain. Obviously, there are many on that schedule. It's just that there's so many unknowns about what this team will be. And that's what this offseason has been about. A ton of questions centered around what is Florida State. You know, I thought it was interesting today some of the newcomers were able to sit down and be addressed by the press, asked questions by the press. Um, Shaheem Brown cracked me up, defensive back. He was asked a question about being a safety, being a boundary safety at that, and, and or uh, a cover corner, and he said, well, you know, if you're a boundary safety, you just got to hit. Quote, I ain't got no problem with hitting people. My man, we're off to a good start. Here we go. Here we go. But again, that's the language of football. That's a football player talking about playing the game of football in a way that I like to hear, and that happened today because we're that close. Sean Bray Jackson kind of summed up today what I would think would be the feeling for anybody stepping foot on campus a month ago or otherwise as they build towards a college career, having left behind their high school days, wide-eyed as they would probably be, saucer-eyed indeed, as you take foot and take hold of your new life on a college football or on a, on a, on a college campus and embark on a college football career, uh, that where, where, where what is required of you is, is much more and the competition is much greater. But I would always think, you know, I, I didn't get a scholarship to go to Florida State and play football or any school that's akin to that. My my offers were all partial and small and, and that's that's cuz I wasn't good enough. But but you get, you know, you, hey, you know, Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio is interested in you. Uh, you know, Western Kentucky is interested in you. Um uh, maybe maybe East Tennessee State or something like that, right? So you that it, it's not the same thing. It's exciting and it, it was neat and and it's 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 a fun process to go through, a stressful one at that. But I always did wonder, because I didn't have that. I had teammates who had that. But I always wondered, you know, what was it like to show up at Florida State University? I can talk to people who did that. I can talk to friends who I played with that did that, and you guys know from listening to the show over the years that I'm very good friends. We go way back to playing youth football together, me and William Floyd. I asked him about it. I remember that. Like, what was that like? You know, what was it like, William, to step foot on campus at a place like Florida State to play for Bobby Bowden? And I asked my buddy, you know, Tommy Carter, went to Notre Dame to play for Lou Holtz. What what was it like to go to Notre Dame and walk on that kid? And I always wondered what that would have been like. And Sean Bray Jackson Jackson said today what I would think we would all kind of, you know, feel and be left with wonder, right? I can't believe I'm at FSU. This is amazing. I'm grinding every day, and I just love it. You know, you don't glean too much early on when the newcomers arrive and they they're asked questions about their experience and the transition in that period of time, the transition. You don't learn a lot about who they're going to be as a football player. You can't. I mean, we won't know that till they get out there and we see them amongst their peers, especially when you're talking to, say, offensive or defensive linemen that arrive uh, as freshmen. They're, they're not apt to contribute all that much in year one because they haven't had a full stretch of time with, an operation as big as Florida State, where you, you're you very much changing the way you eat and the way you lift and the schedule and the equipment that you have access to and the, you know, the information that you have to gather about your goals, whether that's to gain or lose weight and reshape your body. All that is overwhelming when you go to a college. You realize it's a machine. You see how much different things are than you were uh, wherever it was you were in high school. There's not too many people. I suppose maybe if you're at IMG, it's a little different. But for most of us that played... Uh, you know, your your high school weight room was whatever. It wasn't much. You know, I, I went to a public school, Lakewood High School. Our, our weight room was, in retrospect, a piece of crap. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I remember going in there and thinking, look at all these weights. This is amazing. But then you you go away to college, and you go to a place like Florida State, and you're like, whoa, this is different. You have the capability of doing so many, so many things to your body with your body. You can change everything about how you play and who you are. But you won't know typically in year one what that looks like, what that feels like. You just immerse yourself in it, and it's exciting and, and it's, it's overwhelming, the information, the, the, what you have to work on. But I do like to hear sort of the enthusiasm there across the line, you know, and, and this is where I talk about again, we, we begin to scratch the surface, and surface level it is, of football talk. That's what happens right now. That's what, you know, today it struck me. Like, how about that? We're 14 days away from football practice starting in the NFL. 14! We're less than a month away from a game, an NFL game being played. Now, it's does count. It's an exhibition game. They're still damn well going to be hitting out there. There's going to be grown-ass men popping one another in those uniforms that we've grown to love. And for those of us covering Florida State, These newcomers have arrived. They are being asked questions. They are in the fold. They're talking about preparation. They're talking about the newness, the awe-inspiring overwhelming nature of it all. Right? That is, that's football stuff. ACC kickoff coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll be there with an opportunity to talk to all the other senior, junior leaders of the other teams in the ACC, the other press that covers the rest of the league, the coaches of all these other schools. So it's We're that close. Just thought I'd give you a little morsel, just a little taste. We're all drooling for it right now, right? Just a little taste on an overcast, rain-soaked Wednesday in July to let you know it's not that far off. It's Jeff ninety-seven showdown.com, ESPN Radio. True love to true love and rust to rust. I let the others cast stones while I drew in the dust. I tried to be a good man. Jeff Cameron, show 97. ESPN radio. Happy Paul's Big Wednesday. I got asked about it yesterday. Yeah, I took that picture. If you haven't, go to my Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. I uh, normally don't do that. It's very Mike Greenberg-esque to do that. But uh, I, I did take that picture yesterday that you saw. If you happen to to catch it. Um, You guys know, I'm a bit of an aficionado. Bit of an expert, some would say, on rugs. And I'm not talking about the throw rugs at the house. Wigs. Men living in denial. Now, surely it's come a long way. For 20 years I've brought this up. This is what happens. Misery loves company. When you begin to lose your hair, when your hair begins to thin, you became... And I became, more importantly, very aware of others, misery loves company, who are suffering from the same plight. You began to see on the edges, the widow's peak go further back, the hair in the middle gets a little flippity-doo. It's like its last stand. It's hanging in the best it can. You can moose it a little to make it look a little bit thicker, but it's not. People know, especially people who are balding, they know, oh, you're at that stage, are you, where you moose it together, make it look like it's all? Yeah, no. Nothing—a little wind or rain can't upset the apple cart with, right? I mean, that's when you're really, really self-aware. Like, oh, it's starting to rain. This is not good. Gets windy. You're like, I got problems. The 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 grass is dying. So, you know it, and then you become an expert because some guys really effort. To turn back the hands of time. Some guys really fight the good fight and they refuse. Now, I have over the years changed my stance in some ways. It used to be, and maybe I just wanted to make myself feel better because I eventually just decided to shave my head like a man and move forward unabashedly. That I thought others all across the board 100% had to do the same. But then I saw Jimbo Fisher's head. And I realized not everybody can do that. Some people have misshapen heads. They have oblong-looking craniums. They've got to do something or else it's just not going to be a good look. Maybe they got a lumpy dome. You got to do something if you don't have the head for it. You're incredibly fortunate if you do. I have a great head. It's huge, too. So it worked out. I couldn't have known that before I shaved it. You just, it's a wing and a prayer. And then all of a sudden you look, you go, I think that might be all right. And then if you're me, you go, hun. And after she takes a second to kind of adjust, she'll tell you yay or nay. And that's all you really need to know is what does your girlfriend or your wife think in that moment? And my wife said, you know what? I like it. I think it's sexy. I was like, oh, we have hit a grand slam. This isn't just accepted. This is preferred. But not everybody is that fortunate. Some people's heads don't have what it takes. So I have softened the stance, but if you're going to do it, you got to go like Tom Brady. You got to go Matthew McConaughey. You got to get the good stuff. Found this out recently. I've got a friend who is friends with a girl who went to FSU and wanted to move to California to work in the film industry. When she left school, and her thing was that she, um, she, she was—I don't know if she—I don't know what her expertise was. I don't know what she studied, but she was a beautician of sorts. She was really good with hair, and she wanted to get out there and work in the industry and be somebody who did makeup and hair or whatever for actors and actresses. And she ended up doing that. And she informed the guy that I'm friends with that you would be shocked at how many leading men have weaves or some sort of toupee type thing on their head. And you know who I found out is living a lie? Allegedly? Now, we all knew in he has got an incredible wig. I mean, you look at that thing, it's like, wow. You can't even hardly tell. Uh, Paul Rudd. No. I would never have guessed. Living a lie. Now, you got to, I mean, if you're a leading guy, you're in, you got to do what you got to do, whatever, but not real. You're never going to look at him the same. You're going to spend all of your time the next time it comes up, like studying the hair to see. I I would never guess whoever does it is really good at it. Really good. Well, no, they've got, it's come so far now. I mean, you look around, there are people who have it. You would never guess. And it's unbelievable. You know. Way back in the day when the Bosley Institute had those commercials come out, I remember thinking, I wonder if that works because that's like your real hair and they would take the follicles from down at the base that never usually falls out and they put it on top. If that works, great. I don't know. I don't know. I never, never tried it. Why did I bring this up? Why am I talking about this? Damn it, I lost my train of thought. Because of the picture you posted. That is the exact reason. Thank you. I knew you were here for a reason, Matthew. So yesterday on my Twitter feed, I took this picture, and uh, it it was remarkable. I I wanted to go hug the individual. I wanted to go hug the person, because I thought, well, damn it. You, sir, don't need to do that. You're like 75 years old. I mean, nobody thinks that that's... I just didn't, I mean, go, go look at that thing. It is. And I only wish that the rest of you could have seen the front, but I couldn't be that kind of cruel. I mean, I'm brazen, but I'm not that brazen. I was able to apply. I had to give blood. I had a doctor's appointment. So I just have to give blood the week out from the doctor's point, normal physical, although I'm mentally bracing for that physical because we've reached the age now where those physicals entail things that are uncomfortable. Um, and and every time now when you get to be my age that you go into the doctor, you know, there's a chance they're going to tell you something's disastrous and or they're always pushing for some very uncomfortable exam. So you're just like, oh, okay, we have to do this every time. I'm good. But I, I went to give the blood and, you know, get, get in, get out. I'm trying to leave. Just here you go. Take my blood. And I sat down and within 30 seconds of sitting down, that man walked in and I went, I think there was an audible breath. I mean, he took my breath away. He walked through and I went, Oh my goodness. What are we doing here? My God. Oh, I did. I came. That's as close as I've ever come to doing, making that sound in a in a in front of people. That's not what you do. No. He walked in and I went, oh. The guy two seats over from me kind of looked over, almost chuckled. He saw my reaction. It was visceral. I was like, oh my good God, sir. What are you doing? So this thing is bright red. It's not a real color. It's not even, it's not like normal. It's unbelievable. But the front is all this flippity-doo wavy. <laughs> it's insane. And it didn't sit right. It doesn't even fit. I was going to say from the from the and I don't know if it's because of the angle the man's standing at. But do you see the real hair underneath the fake hair? And the the way he's standing, the right side of his of his head, the hair is closer to his ear Correct. than the other side. No, it doesn't fit. It's like he threw it on like a hat. Like, I'm wearing this hat right now. He threw it on as he walked. Oh, we got to go in public. Looks like I better throw on my cap. I, it's un, But only it's a wig. It's unreal. I almost thought that guy's doing it as a practical joke. Like, that's something you might do just as an over-the-top practical joke. And I was hoping. I was going to say, that's well done. You got me. That's really good. That's, it's like Costanza walking in with that thing on his head where you're like, oh, sir. I mean, what are we doing here? But I wanted to answer a couple questions. And and then I'll move on. No, he didn't. I'm not that rude, guys. I, you may not know it, and as brash as I may be on the air here, I, I, I don't think I'm a terrible guy. I tend to have great empathy for people, and certainly I'm sympathetic to certain situations. I'm not going to take a picture so brazen that the guy sees me like, like I'm paparazzi rolling up on him to take a picture of his wig. I was very discreet before I exposed him to my Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept the camera low and at a distance, knowing that if I just get a single shot, it's like a, a rare find in the animal kingdom. It's, uh, it's a species said to have been extinct long ago. I don't want to be invasive. I don't want to do something that ruins my opportunity to get this great shot. I know that if I could just get this thing on camera, I could hustle back to those in the know, and we could enlarge the print, and we can see for sure, is this the red-tailed platypus? So for me, I thought, okay, how do, how do we do this without everybody in the waiting room seeing that I'm taking a picture of this guy's god-awful wig? Because the guy, again, the guy two seats down from me was on to me. He knew that I was aghast and also impressed. It was a weird combination. The feelings I had, it stirred a lot. Inside of me. I was all at once just appalled, and I wanted to also celebrate this man's <laughs> bold endeavor, indeed. So I was like, okay, well, let's just making sure that the little button on the side here is pushed down so that he doesn't hear it. That'd be bad. Would have been funny, but it would have been bad. But I just kind of pressed it over, pretended like I was stretching, and I was like, I got three. I got three. And then when he went and sat down and he couldn't tell, I zoomed him in. I was like, oh, there it is. I got it. I got the, that's the shot I wanted. So no, I I didn't. The man wasn't weeping, thinking that I was gawking. He has no idea. He might now if he's listening, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think he's a listener. And if he is, then sir, you know, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. We're here for you. Just be you. It's okay. I mean, he was older. There's no cause to pretend you have. It's more about the the redness of the hair too. He's not on Twitter. He doesn't know. <laughs> if he is, if he's if he's following and he saw it, well, that wasn't good of me. No, I should not have. But he still needed to know. Clearly, friends have not done right by him because this was this is where friends help friends. Somebody should roll on over to whatever my man's name is house and say, "Larry, Larry, what are we what are we doing?" You know, I've i remained quiet for too long. Stop that! Every, you're not fooling anybody. We know. We know that's not. Stop it. It's Jeff Cameron Show, ninety-seven odd, ESPN Radio. It ain't bragging if it's true. It ain't bragging if it's true. It ain't bragging if it's true. It said muhammad ali and me my love put the deep in the ocean my love talked the sky going with the blue and my love caused a big old commotion because that's what love do thought you knew Jeff Cameron, 97. ESPN Radio. In the coming days, there may be an opportunity. I'll talk about it some next week, too. Uh, my friends at Orange Theory Fitness are about to unveil, really, deals of a lifetime. For current members and those looking to be a member, uh, lots of ways to get involved and to save a ton of money. I'll have more specifics. Uh, in, in the interim, though, I should tell you, I had a great workout again today at Orange Theory Fitness. And uh, I, I've enjoyed running into a lot of you who have uh, heard me talk about my endorsement uh, for Orange Theory Fitness over the last uh, couple of years here on the show and decided at some point to give it a go and have fallen in love with it. So, listen, man, a lot of great exercise programs out there, a lot of really knowledgeable people. Um, You know, I'm not telling you that there are no other answers in the world but Orange Theory Fitness. I'm just telling you that it is an option and a good one and one that works and is backed by science. I'm a big fan of that. I, I like to know that what we're doing has tangible evidence and proof uh, that it's working and making you a healthier individual and challenging you. And you can continue to challenge yourself when you're at Orange Theory Fitness. There's just a lot of ways. If you're a competitive person, too, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing because it lies within you. And everybody roots for each other. I've said that a lot before, but they do. So uh, you may want to inquire. But I'll give you more specifics in the days to come. Okay, I didn't get to this question yesterday, but it is a good question. And it's or it's an observation really, and it's probably one that many share, so it's it's worth uh, bringing it back here and 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 talking about Chris wrote to uh myself and 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 Ira and Corey, and he was saying that uh look, Mike Norvell is just killing it. In terms of recruiting and the effort and the energy, the PR, all the things that this offseason has encompassed. And I think that's true. There's Again, most Florida State fans are a little jaded, a little cynical—not uh, not by nature, but because of the results of the last several years. And we all wanted uh, the, the 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 happy, happy, joy, joy feeling that uh, accompanied Willie Taggart's arrival in Tallahassee to work out, and it, and it just didn't. And I was wrong about that. I I thought it would work out, and I told people as much, and. Uh, unfortunately, didn't. And uh, there were some things that I didn't know about that hire, and some things that I found out later, and some things that, uh, as we watched the process play out, uh, were alarming. And eventually, the, the result was the result. Now, we've spoke about what this offseason, and moreover, what that season a year ago was the, the COVID season, the, the three and six campaign. How do you apply uh, a fair assessment and evaluation? of the coaches that authored and engineered that season and factor in all of the reasons for a three and six campaign, some of which are out of their control, some of which they very much controlled. And it, right? It's a nuanced discussion. It's a difficult one to have. But the the one I think point worth belaboring and examining and focusing on more than another is what we saw defensively. Because I think it can be as Chris writes here, a polarizing issue. He writes, Norvella is killing it. And I honestly think every sign points to this guy turning it all around for us, but one Adam Fuller. I'm terrified that anybody who was at the helm of that defense last year has shown you that at best they are incapable of elevating play, and at worst, they were incompetent. So that's an area that I suspect we will get great clarification on I would first point out that there were a lot of train wrecks for defenses last year uh, in places where they had continuity so when you're looking for the impact of no spring football or the impact of guys opting out guys missing time segments not really being able to be coached hard um I think you start with the defense, you know, the COVID impact on on defensive play in college football in an offensive minded game these days was really evident. I mean, all you had to do was look around and early on you saw some performances from, again, established programs with a depth of talent and continuity of staff. Watching LSU try to play defense last year was appalling. It was alarming. And that wasn't the only place we saw it. And a lot of other places, too, where you would have thought that it would not have been nearly as impacted uh, like it was at a place like Florida State, where you had an entirely new staff that lost out on spring and then couldn't implement not only what they were trying to teach, what they were trying to install schematically, but also from an attitude standpoint, a buy-in standpoint, right, a trust factor knowing that the guy next to you is going to do what he's supposed to do because that's a big part of playing defense. So I don't say to you that I'm willing to give, you know, carte blanche to the season that played out and and not assess any judgment whatsoever on what I witness with a very uncoordinated defense. I can only tell you that I do suspect things will be much, much better. They have to be. If not, he'll get fired. But much, much better, and I'm talking about Coach Fuller, uh, than, than it was a year ago because they've actually had a normal offseason and they've been able to be around the kids and, you know, they've all worked together and you've got buy-in. You don't have kids that have decided to, oh, I'll come back. but well, this is a disaster. Like, you know, right off the bat, the situation that happened with Mar- Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden, you were pretty well screwed once those two guys decided, eh, I don't know. Don't feel like getting in shape. Don't feel like playing real hard. Uh, this season's a wash. What am I doing? Once that happened, you were kind of screwed, and it became a pervasive attitude, not with everybody, but a lot of guys, kind of going through the motions, and again, you couldn't go over the top in your form of discipline or your efforts to replace those players. You didn't have a depth of talent. You didn't have a lot of experience, and you didn't have a lot of guys to turn to. Your roster uh, was was shrunk by COVID, and, and some kids who opted out, and also kids that... Uh, I think we're a little bit iffy in terms of their commitment to football as it's normally played in a season that was anything but normal. And I get that. Um, I know from talking to Coach Fuller and listening to the man talk about defense that he obviously understands the X's and O's. I've said this over the years of doing this show. One thing you learn, and I think a lot of people know this, this is not – something that's a a revelation to too many people. But you typically can't get to this level where you're invited to coach at a place like Florida State, where you're at a Power 5 school making a lot of money having to go through those interviews and and that process. You can't get to this place without knowing football, understanding football, being able to go to the whiteboard and get asked any question about what you do in certain situations against certain looks and down and distance. Uh, this is what happens. I remember Jimbo Fisher talked about this all, you know, that you sit down with a guy and he says, you know, what are your, what are your core principles? Then they ask you this, this, and this, and then they want certain examples of how you would actually tactically operate in these situations. And they'll ask coaches to do it. Like Nick Saban would say to him, what is it you're trying to do offensively? What are your core values? What, what is it that, that, what is the basis for what your offense is? Like what, You know, and you think about Jimbo Fisher with outside zone and all that stuff. And and, and then he would get up there and talk about that. And if you either see eye to eye or you don't, but there's no question typically. Again, once again, you can't get that job. You can't fake your way all the way up without knowing the game. Now, that's just one part of it. So let's eliminate this idea that he doesn't understand defensive football. He most certainly does. But also, that's not all there is to do, your your task with not only having that base acumen, but also, can you teach it? Can you inspire? Can you get kids to execute your game plan? Do you get kids who buy in and fight for and with one another, who have a core understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and work to that end collectively? Do you have that? Can you teach that and can you inspire that? Can you motivate And can you, in many ways, empower your players by parting with that information in a way that is digestible, a way that they can understand? Because you can't really think too much out there. It's too fast. You have got to learn it, understand it, know it, and adjust on the fly and play full speed and come downhill and take somebody's head off. And you can never really do that if you're uncertain. you can never really do that if you don't understand what you're being asked to do in each situation you can never really do you can never really play fast if you have great distrust that the guy next to you is going to be where he's supposed to be or you don't have a full grasp of what it is your defensive coordinator is teaching you so you know these whole things this this is what adds up typically to whether or not a guy makes it. It's not whether he has a core understanding and and um you know, base acumen for the for the game or for the segment uh, that he teaches or the scheme that he runs. No, they all those guys can walk into a room and talk football with anybody. You can't get to this place without being able to do that. You can't. But how well you teach it, how easily digestible it is, how quickly kids take it in and apply it, and are able to help one another because players always have to take ownership of almost every aspect of a, of a locker room and of a game plan. They have, to, they have to have a greater understanding. Now, obviously, the quarterback has to have a better understanding than anybody else on the field, right? I mean, why you're trying to do what you're trying to do against what looks and how? what are the plays that you can opt to out of this if things change, if you begin to see them shift and all that. That's where quarterbacks have to understand what everybody's doing, including checking you into right protections, et cetera. But that's true of defense, too. Um, And I just don't think that we ever saw that a year ago. And there were a lot of reasons for that, not excuses, but a lot of reasons for that. And I would think that this off season being a normal one will lead to uh, a collection of at the very least um, of players that have a a core understanding of what we're doing now, will they be good? Are they good enough? A lot of things play into that. I, I don't think they're good enough. They're not deep enough, strong enough, fast enough at too many positions to have a overwhelmingly dominating defense, but they can look coordinated. They can look like they understand what the hell they're supposed to do. You know, I make the joke all the time about this. Like, many teams understood that Randy Moss was going to run a nine. They understood Randy Moss was going to run a fly. They knew where to be. But he's Randy effing Moss, and guess what? He made the catch. You, you You didn't watch the catch and think, well, we don't know what we're doing. You watched the catch and went, well, son of a bitch. What are you supposed to do? The guy's 6'5", and he jumps 40 inches. I, what am I supposed to do? I don't have a guy that can combat that, but that's easier to digest, much easier to handle. If the guy's there, just can't make the play, well, he lost. Other guy's better. What are you going to do? Our number two, fourth cup. Stay with